0: When Raw ends, when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewind Around with John Pollock and Waiting, the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around for Monday night, downloaded Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewind Around for Monday night on USA, now on the John and Wei, take the Mike. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind A Raw John Pollock here alongside Waiting. It is Raw coming out of the Survivor Series night number four at the Allstate Arena, uh, Herculean task. If you were one of our listeners in Chicago that went to all four nights, and well, what an end you got to all of this!
1: Um, the final yeah. chapter was written at the end of the four nights. Well, earlier, like on on Friday, you asked me, John. You know, this is the first time that SmackDown led uh, led one of these um, you know four day weekends. And you asked me how, how I enjoyed it uh, compared to maybe the old format. And I, I think my answer was that we couldn't really tell until this particular moment, you know, at the end of raw, at the end of what, what was what 12 hours or something like that of programming. Um, So I guess that's my question to you now. How do you feel like this ended up compared to maybe what, what, what we had before?
0: Um. I'll say, you know, for for all the, the talk of, like, Chicago, like, the atmosphere adding so much to it, I, I didn't think that was the case, like, in terms of that carrying over for all of the shows. Um, in particular, tonight, it seemed like this kind of was the 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 day after the party had ended sort of had that feel. I I mean, for us, like we're just watching it like, like normal, like a Friday through Monday. But for that crowd there in Chicago, that you would have to imagine there's a decent amount that maybe did do all four nights. Although that's a pretty daunting task. I still, I I did like SmackDown kicking things off and having the go home show the night before takeover and two nights before survivor series. And by the end of it, um, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what kind of ticket sales were like for for Raw. Like, was there that sustained interest uh, for four nights? Because it sounds like Survivor Series was the big ticket this weekend.
1: Sure. Yeah, I I almost feel like this week might be a little bit different because certainly coming out of Su- Survivor Series, especially Raw does not feel like the hot show. You know, if if anything, I think Friday's Smackdown felt more important than this. And that's really how kind of how it's being framed right now. But um, I agree. Smackdown, I thought, was the better show overall. Yeah. So we're talking about maybe an edition of Raw with far less involvement from NXT, which to me did seem to be like the hottest thing of the entire weekend. Uh, the, the only show without any NXT involvement of the entire weekend. Uh, and I feel like maybe some of that fatigue showed, I guess, the question of whether or not this is better than, you know, let's say it's Smackdown on a Tuesday ending things. Ultimately I, I do think this, this is better, but maybe this particular edition of Raw, or maybe Raw itself at this particular time, it, it isn't necessarily, you know, the best barometer when um I don't know, I just don't think Raw's that hot right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> we literally kicked off this
0: show with the announcement <laughs> the show sucks. <laughs> Buckle up for three hours. Yeah. We will we will get to that. the the town hallway the town hall meeting they literally I took the... i love
1: town halls
0: oh we need we need more town halls um anyway we'll get to all of that let's quickly uh breeze through the shows that are coming up this week uh a lighter week coming up there's no there's no pay-per-view this weekend it's uh it's a calmer week which uh remember those words for when something crazy happens this week i bet tuesday night way it is our monthly mailbag show it is ask away All of our cafe members will get this show late Tuesday night as we dive into the mailbag. Are there
1: a lot of questions this month? I I would expect so. I haven't really taken a look to to count how many, but we usually have a very healthy amount of uh, people asking us all ranges of questions about anything in the world. Now, am I mistaken? Is it is this the final this is the final ask away of the year? I think we're going to call this one the December ask away. So, yes, the last one of, of the year. All right, so you can get your technically. Well, technically I think we're going to actually have one at the end of December or January, but. Okay, well it's the it's the
0: penultimate ask away. So yes. get ready folks. It's it's coming. So you can send in your questions, go up to form.postressing.com, get them in before uh, Tuesday night and then the show will be dropping. Wednesday we have our Two shows coming out. Rewind to Dynamite with myself and Way, And then up next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman who joined us on Sunday night for our Survivor Series post show that you can go download or watch at youtube.com slash post-wrestling. They were a uh, great guest to have. I liked uh, the flow of the four of us.
1: Really enjoyed, I think, the uh, four-way discussion and I'm really excited to see how NXT follows up on Wednesday and really what the results of the ratings will be on Wednesday. Um, I, I feel like this, to me, is is the most interesting week coming off of Survivor Series for NXT.
0: Yeah, in normal circumstances, I wouldn't necessarily be looking at, you know, the post-pay-per-view bump for NXT. But I think in the way in which they were positioned so strong, mm-hmm. I think it is going to carry over to Wednesday. I, I think there was some of that tonight that, you know, the big follow-up stuff, it didn't have anything to do with anybody on Raw. It's NXT that people want to see the follow-up to Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's coming up. Wednesday, Thursday, Wei, are you aware you and I will be together celebrating
1: U.S. Thanksgiving? Had no idea it was U.S. Thanksgiving. Okay. It's um, Thanksgiving this Thursday and we'll be live on the Cafe Hangout. Will you be baking a turkey?
0: Um, maybe. Pumpkin pie? Yeah. Well, we encourage our American listeners to call in. I guess it would be a holiday for a lot of people, right? Yeah, so. they're all off work. Awesome. It's a, it's a yeah. big holiday. Okay. So Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, you can tune in to the Cafe Hangout. All patrons can uh, tune in and call in. Friday, we will have Rewind to SmackDown back on Friday this week, going through uh, wherever the show is this Friday. Then into the weekend, we've got uh, Thunderstruck dropping hey, Also, S- this oh, fr- the
1: yes, yeah. the British Wrestling Experience drops this Friday, and I, I, I can't wait to hear so- about the uh martin benno and jamesy's takes on maybe some of the events that took place this past weekend
0: yeah B- benno is actually uh on his way to germany so he will not be on the show this week it will be martin and jamesy uh going through um the british Jacob show they will be talking about ipw uk and their status at the end of the year and i'm sure they will be getting into walter and all this time uh Jordan Devlin just needed to perfect the claymore and he would have been, you know, that much quicker. It works. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very effective move. So that's all coming up on Friday. And then Sunday, WH Park, he is going to be uh, chatting about uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, El Samurai from April of 1992. Dylan Fox is the guest this Sunday. So check out Thunderstruck.
1: And if you want to actually watch the match, I believe there's a link to it. At the last on the description of the last episode of Thunderstruck. So if you want, yeah. To there's
0: check also that a out. link in today's uh, in the in the schedule I put up on the site. There's a link to the uh, yeah, it's to a non YouTube site that you can
1: find Liger and
0: El Samurai. It's
1: not on New Japan World, unfortunately. So,
0: man, so this yeah. is a hidden gem that Dylan Fox has uh, procured for everybody.
1: Well, I guess a lot of these matches, like despite I think their notoriety, I mean New Japan hasn't necessarily gone and uploaded everything from its past. So um, this is one of those.
0: Well, uh, you can go check out all of our shows at postwrestling.com for the bonus shows. Of course it is post wrestling So with that, uh, not a crazy amount of news, although it's uh, shaping up to be as always a, a crazy week in professional wrestling um, today. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of news regarding the situation involving Corey Graves and Moro Ronaldo, other than uh, Corey Graves just seemed to double down on everything on Twitter and just seemed to go at, I mean, he was attacking Dave Meltzer. He was uh, just seemed to be, I don't know. It didn't seem like a good look, the decision that he decided to go with. Uh, privately, I, I don't know what, um, maybe what, has has been going on i did i did actually reach out to frank shamrock i asked if if cory graves had maybe made contact with them and they gave me a no comment but um any kind of just thoughts on cory graves follow-up to this because i think he would be best served to issue a public apology because right now there just seems to be so much i mean it's not 100 percent against cory graves but i'd say it feels like 85 to 90 percent
1: uh, I, w- I would agree with that. I mean, just judging by by the, the I think, the feelings online. Um, I, I, I think know. he's made this a bigger story uh, by doing
0: this. Um, yeah. And it just, and, and I do not know, as of right now, if Morrow will be there on Wednesday or not. Obviously, if he's not, then this becomes that much bigger of a story if suddenly your lead announcer is not there. But if he is there on Wednesday, then maybe this does cool down or do you think ultimately that this will be resolved
1: i hope so you know i i, I would hate to see moro not do um his you know not be a part of nxt as a result of this i think that would be the worst i i'd be even more disappointed to know that he if if he wouldn't bring back his instagram and his you know uh um uh piano like freestyles that he's been uploading. That to me is like the saddest thing about it all. What, is that what happened? Did did he take down his Instagram account as well? I believe he did. Yeah, at at, at least at, at this particular moment. But I, I love those things. So, I mean, you know, I I feel like every week there is, <laughs> there is a, a case to be made to ban Twitter use uh, if you're <laughs> at all attached to professional wrestling, like. Man, it's just—it's just become such a such a toxic environment for for so many people. Um, especially in they, this. They
0: should take my idea. Okay, let's
1: let's leave the cars alone. Mm-hmm. You can have unlimited honks, but you get five tweets a day. Well, people could do a lot of damage with five tweets, John. I mean, you know, maybe that. But
0: you know what? The worst tweets are they set off. Uh, they set off a chain reaction and it at least like cuts off the head of the snake because if someone starts something, you know, you only get so many follow ups and then you're done for the day.
1: Maybe you get one tweet a day. Maybe that should be it. One tweet per day. One tweet per day. OK, so make it good. Um, I, We'll see. I don't know. Uh, ultimately, I think, you know, it, it's up to to, to it's not going to happen like this is just something that that is a part of our routine now, especially in the wrestling world. Where I think Twitter plays such a very important part in communicating news and uh, you know storylines, there's a lot of positive to be had from Twitter as well. But unfortunately, as is the case with most news, the things we pay the most attention to are the shittiest things, and this is unfortunately one of those shitty things. I I don't I don't really give a shit about Corey Graves to be honest. It's just like he's 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 hurting nobody but himself. I believe right now. Uh, my my concern was is with Mauro Ronaldo and. Uh, you know, making sure that he's, he's good. Cause, and if it means, you know, taking time off of social media, please just take all the time you need. Cause again, it's like I spend less and less time. I try to, at least on Twitter, I feel like I probably mute like 90% of of everything on Twitter, just cause not even cause I dislike anybody. It's just cause I don't need the, the, the noise really. So um, I, I think it's really good to unplug once in a while. So I just hope, you know, he he's fine. Uh, do you think that he's going to cover this on his podcast? I think he has to. You know, he's built a reputation for, in the first couple episodes, for for this being an unfiltered, uncensored podcast where he's supposed to talk about everything. Certainly, if, you know, it, if the news is about you, I certainly feel like the expectation is there uh, for him to, to talk about something. And I believe he will. I think he has to.
0: I, I'll be... You know, typically there's a pattern that when someone goes through this and they just get the gauntlet thrown at them, uh, when they're clearly in the wrong, and I think everyone can see Corey Graves is clearly in the wrong here, he has not, at least publicly, taken the the loss, and I hope on the podcast he is much more mellowed out and can just give an apology and move. hopefully move on from this, because... You know, today where he's going on about, you know, he he had this one comment to Brian Alvarez about, do you even understand how this world works? And in my head, it's like, is this guy going to try and extrapolate that he was just trying to work an angle with the announcer for the next day at the Survivor Series to add some, some heat amongst the announcers? It's like, that would be, like, the ultimate, like, worst excuse possible. Not to mention the, like... I don't know. I don't know what's in it in his head, like where he's going to get at to try and either come up with some excuse. I hope it's not an excuse and just simply it was a poor choice on my behalf. I should not have done this. I'm very sorry. I did this publicly and move
1: on. I don't really know what's going through his head. Um, You know, like it, it's almost it, it almost feels like we, we were just talking about a very similar case with Jim Cornette like a week ago. And all of a sudden, like I'm sure Jim Cordette is is more than happy that all this attention is being taken off of him, at least for the time being with, with the Corey Graves, I can't really speak to, you know, what's going through the dude's head. Um, I sometimes wonder, you know, how Twitter has affected somebody like him too, where I'm sure he's, he receives his fair share of negative negativity on a daily basis, even before this whole situation. And how has that shaped his relationship with social media and with the audience? And, You know, has it created this person that we see today? I don't know. Um, But, you know, maybe his podcast might provide some answers.
0: All right. And we'll see. And we'll see if there is any um, follow up on on Tuesday um, regarding this. WWE has announced that uh, tickets will go on sale next week, a week Friday for the when worlds collide or sorry worlds collide. There's no when in uh, this title worlds collide over Royal Rumble weekend, which will be in place of NXT takeover on the Saturday night at the Toyota center in Houston, Texas. And the theme of it, it's not going to be all the brands. It will be NXT versus NXT UK. So, I'm really glad that they had this announcement. They knew that this announcement was coming Monday, and to prime us for this was the handling of our NXT UK world champion. <laughs> but can yeah. you... It's just unbelievable. I know. I know.
1: Yeah, I mean, that certainly uh, coming out of the weekend was, to me, the biggest negative criticism I heard coming out of Survivor Series was the booking of Walter and the treatment of Walter. Um, uh, part of me also wonders, like... You know how how much control they had over a decision like that, whether or not if it was their first choice. I don't really know. The thing is, I think you know Walter is is such a great talent that it won't take much for them to regain um, that value. I certainly don't feel like you know that audience that's going to be there for Worlds Collide will look at Walter any differently. I'm sure on that show, being an NXT show, he will be booked very strong. So I hope he gets uh, a bit of a redemption for maybe the portrayal of him uh, on Survivor Series. But I think the limitations of, like, or the specification of this being an NXT and NXT UK show is really no different from the last one. The only omission is, of course, 205 Live, which, uh, from all all accounts, doesn't really seem to exist as its own division anymore. Most most of that talent is either absorbed onto Raw, SmackDown, or NXT proper. So this just seems like it's... I I think, though, the perception of NXT UK, especially coming out of this weekend, is so low that they need to do something to bolster it on NXT proper and maybe this is the, you know the several months that we will see a lot of a lot more interaction between NXT UK talent invading NXT
0: yeah and i think that this is going to be You know, I think the goal of this will be hopefully to get some eyes on NXT UK and maybe do crossover both ways. I mean, NXT UK is sort of just it exists, but you get so little discussion about NXT UK that at least the build up to this. um, And and I think you will get a hot show at the end of this. I mean, that is I think that will be a really strong show that Royal Rumble weekend.
1: For sure. Especially if the audiences are, you know, the same type of NXT crowd. I I think they always do a good job of booking great matches that people want to see when is that um uh, uk takeover show happening again it that's january 12th so that is is it two weeks before the rumble so you can expect you know some direct ramifications coming off of that takeover to to this particular show uh and we'll see what new stars they can make in that time because i think that brand kind of needs it
0: yeah do you get the sense that they might be teasing uh Drew McIntyre and Walter like this, that actually may lead to something
1: at this point. Maybe that's, that would be a good idea. I mean, coming on like at the moment during survivor series, I didn't really look at that as anything more than just, you know, uh, a UK guy gets eliminated first, you know, the most unknown guy gets eliminated first. I didn't really see it as anything more than that, but the fact that McIntyre brought it up on raw today and because yeah. it was a spot that got a lot of heat from the audience online, I could definitely see them doing that
0: yeah very possible um Smackdown finished uh, on Friday's show with two million five hundred and forty four thousand viewers so they were uh, tied on top with uh adults eighteen to forty nine and the top network program among adults eighteen to thirty four and Yo, know, it was a bounce back from from the week prior, which was their lowest to date on Fox. So at least, um, maybe the combination of going into Survivor Series with NXT promoted for the show going in that uh, it helped. The fact that they had all the brands and it's it's going to be a test now because you're taking away the attraction that is NXT at the moment for Raw and SmackDown and seeing how these shows stand up on their own now, uh, without kind of this, this one month period where you could sprinkle in a lot of talent from across all the
1: brands. What a strange phenomenon where like, you know, the, the stars of the show that does under a million viewers happens to bring the big show SmackDown to, you know, higher levels than what it would usually do without that roster. How strange, but I mean, that, that sort of seems to have been the case anytime i I think they just yeah i
0: think they were just able on certain weeks that they made the shows feel like priority viewing and not just run-of-the-mill smackdown or raw episodes and i think that that that's that that smackdown on friday you certainly had that sense going in that you know with the surprises that would be showing up that that stuff typically works when it's done uh rarely and and it means something going in but You know, I'm I'm not expecting anyone to be showing up on NXT this Wednesday. There's no teases in that direction. It seems that now it is back to everyone on their brands. But um, yeah, we'll see how they react because they know that they can can play this card, but you can't overplay this card either.
1: This Raw was certainly telling, you know, um, if there was to be any NXT interaction on Raw, it would have certainly been this weekend when everybody was still in town. They had zero on this particular edition of Raw, and I would expect the same on SmackDown.
0: And the final note here was uh Kenny Omega did this interview on the wrestling observer site with Dave Meltzer and Jim Valley. And one of the answers, it was interesting because you and I talked about this last Wednesday was the schedule. And for a lot of the guys there, it's probably a great positive that they're not going to be on the road constantly doing three to four shows per week. But then you have other acts that are just, they, they don't have the same level of experience. And You know, Kenny Omega, I thought, was very honest about the fact that it's something that that does, it's an issue for them, that talent is encouraged to go out, pick up indie dates with their local promotion. They can go do tours of Japan, uh, but they don't have a dojo, they don't have a performance center, and even if it's something down to they want to try a new move or a sequence, they don't even have a ring to do it in, and it's something that they have to address at some point and you know, it, it was a concern of Kenny Omega's the fact that this is a problem for their as they're signing younger, inexperienced talent. They they need to be getting that experience out there.
1: It was refreshing to hear Kenny be you know honest about um, uh, something that he feels is is a negative of of the company thus far, a weakness of the company thus far. Um, you know, it's the fact that he mentioned it, I think so publicly, suggests that it's a priority or going to be a priority that will be fixed whenever they can. We also have to remember, I mean, we're nine weeks into this show, so it's, you know, I think a lot of people are looking, um, for this company to be on the level of a WWE right away, and that's just simply not possible, so, um, the fact that, you know, he mentions that, um, talent are able to organize their own independent booking dates, is that enough? Um... I I don't know. Uh, I guess the other question is, you know, how different is it from maybe how the how how their lives might have been prior to um, AEW? Like like let's say, what what are the limitations of that? As far as you know, John, obviously they can't appear on fault or on a television for any other promotion. Um, but is eye i pay per view? I'm assuming that's out of the question as well. I guess my 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 point is like a, a group like. Uh, private party. They did their farewell at house of glory. Am I right? And therefore they can't do a company like house of glory. I mean, they just did the, um,
0: the, the Matt Travis, like tribute show last weekend. So, so they can. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, you had, and I'm sure not everyone has identical deals, but you know, like for GCW, for instance, they had that show at the end of September where it was all those guys having their farewell match. So, I would imagine that when it comes to being broadcast in the U.S., that that's probably the restriction. Like, and that would include, you know, being streamed on Fight TV or or whatever. But just doing independence, you know, from this answer from Kenny Omega, it seemed like they're encouraging them to go do independence. I just don't think that they can be broadcast, and hence, you know, especially for a guy like John Moxley, who you know could not do that G1 show here. In the in the U.S., like though it seems to be, those are the restrictions. But so, doing an actual independent, non televised, that
1: seems to be okay at least for the bottom end talent. Do you think that a situation like this, where you're free to book independent dates, but you you'll receive very limited television time, only once a week, is this more favorable, or is being in the performance center where you can work on things like a you know shooting star press or something, but Rarely, if ever, getting to be on television and maybe doing the occasional house show in a Florida loop. What do you think is a better position to be in?
0: I don't think either is perfect. Uh, I think that in for for so many of those those men and women that are in the performance center, it's it's going around to the, those Florida shows. And I think if you have a lot of potential, you would be better served leaving that environment and going and working the independence for – 18 months to two years and being able to be flown overseas and going to work different places and then come back when you're more seasoned as opposed to just being in that system and only knowing that one system. I don't think the AEW route is – like AEW, again, it's – for some, it's it's a great kind of um, – It's a great place to go once you have that experience. But, you know, Private Party is the perfect example of a group that those guys should be out every weekend doing matches. And then they come to TV on Wednesday. And, you know, AEW, they just do not have the infrastructure now to set up a a performance center, have guys relocate to one part of the country. Like that's just such a massive undertaking that I would imagine that's years away from the process. Um, Certainly not going to happen this year. I would not expect it to happen next year. So I I think for now AEW it seems that there's at least some flexibility. But again, if you are you have to weigh the advantages and the disadvantages of if you are going somewhere, you're, it's not going to be televised. It, you're really not doing it for for the payday. You're doing it strictly for the experience. And you know so, some guys will want to do that. Some will not. Hmm, interesting. Alright, uh for all the news you can go check out uh, postwrestling.com. We move on over to Raw from the Allstate Arena on Monday night. And to start the show, they recreated the Backstage setup after the, the Crown Jewel pay-per-view. We had a we had a town hall meeting with all the talent invited and it wasn't Vincent Hunter addressing everybody. It oh, was that, Seth Rollins.
1: I was I was trying to, like, I was like, oh, did they do this on Raw after Crown Jewel? I, I, you meant the backstage. The backstage. Hall. Got it. Town Hall. Yes. Um, which we're, they said
0: was going to be hosted by the locker room leader, Seth Rollins. Yeah. Like, one that Seth did speak at. They have now taken uh, Twitter Seth Rollins, and that is the guy <laughs> we are going to get now <laughs> oh, on Raw. Like, that's
1: is, literally who they have made here. Absolutely. Like, I felt this particular segment was exactly, I think, the embodiment that Seth Rollins... Like, the the embodiment of the persona that Seth Rollins has created for himself, whether or not intentionally, on Twitter over the past several months. He is in the ring. They chant for CM Punk. Everyone's
0: around the ring, with the notable exception of Becky Lynch. Yeah. It would have been very awkward if she was
1: there. She was not on the show at all. That was... Yeah, I wonder if if there was any explanation of that. I mean, we know she's not necessarily injured. She, I mean, she was the last standing person on the show last night. So no explanation as to that, or, nor why she was absent here.
0: It, it would have been, it, this would not have worked for the story. Because if she was there, Seth would have to run her down. And A, that makes no sense, given their relationship. And B, like, I, I didn't think this was... Uh, Good for any of these guys to just get run down to this degree, but Becky especially it would have been I think really damaging for her to just
1: take it I and agree walk away I agree like you know you'd be you'd be forced to kind of create an awkward thing, but I think the fact that she wasn't there was pretty glaring as well and I feel like there is a possible way of having Becky there being the one to finally lock away like she even even this man's fiance is not. Thinking that her her fiance is doing a good job, even his fiance doesn't approve of the way this person is leading the locker room. I think that would have been pretty. You interesting. think? You think? What would the reaction have been to
0: to Seth and Becky being approached backstage by this company that is booking Rusev and Lana, and they say, "Hey, we've got this great idea where we're going to create friction in your relationship on screen." How does that sound? Well, Becky's Becky's <laughs> gonna stay in the back. That's what I think about it. <laughs> Yeah. So Rollins says he tried to uh, – sorry, Rollins said in re- re- reaction to the CM Punk chants that he tried to get Punk to come here. But he wants to sit behind a desk in LA and talk about a change that he's too afraid to
1: make himself. This was really fascinating. you know. And, and again, I think this continues the trend of us seeing WWE being willing to address the CM Punk rumors – not just, you know, with these kind of clever one-liners to try to shut them down, but to actually create a discourse with the, the audience and having a substantial response like like uh, Seth Rollins does here, where he leaned into the punk talk and talked, you know, basically called punk a coward who, who you know, um, Seth has tried to call out, but punk would rather sit at behind his desk. At this point, I feel pretty confident in saying that there's probably nothing going on behind the scenes. But the way that you would see this, it was almost like um, Seth and by extension the WWE feeling like they're almost putting the pressure on Punk to to come back and to, to do something. I, I... I'll, I'll go one further that I think you can
0: – I think Rollins clearly knew. I think everyone knew that he was going to get these chants that they were almost designed by putting Seth in this role. And the way I took tonight's show, they are – like, this was a major shift for Seth Rollins on screen, mm-hmm. where he is now the corporate puppet and the
1: complete anti-CM Punk. Okay, wh- what makes you say corporate puppet? Because, yeah. They I, I literally said in commentary
0: that, or it was Kevin Owens who said that Owens has always remained himself while Seth has altered himself to be the company's image
1: of what they want him to be. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So, corporate puppet in a sense, like, like him being his Twitter self, basically. You know, criticizing anybody who he like, is. Team he is Team WWE. Team the, WWE. We we are the best workers bar none. Uh, prove me wrong, like that type of Seth Rollins. Not necessarily. You know, um, they are the f- totally laying the groundwork for Punk, the guy
0: that could be anything but WWE, and to come in and take out the guy that, you know, represents WWE from the guy that walked out on it. Like, that, to me, is what they are laying the groundwork for, but I'm with you. I, I don't think that there's any agreement on Punk's side at, at this point. I mean, um,
1: it's also a character that works very much for Kevin Owens at the moment. You know, he is playing sort of the authentic, you know, CM Punk type of role. Yeah, well, he he's going to be uh, the foil for now. Yeah, it, you know, I also I'll also say I think by addressing not only like, you know, acknowledging the CM Punk chant hit on, but also trying to create storyline out of it is to me a great way of killing that chant, which up until this point has been a very rebellious chant it still exists and will probably still exist as a very rebellious chant. Like you're not supposed to say it on TV. And this is how we show our disapproval to Vince McMahon. But now that they're welcoming it and almost using it to build potentially a, a story it makes it far less cool. So you know, it remains to be seen how effective that'll be to kill the the champ. How many weeks until we get a raw that's totally promoted around Seth's pipe bomb? Oh, that'd be great! And comes down sitting cross legged on the stage. That'd be awesome. That would probably turn him babyface. Actually, the pipe bomb so, should just be him, like you know, ending every sentence with "burn it down." Yeah, it's a, it's a scripted style. pipe bomb. Yeah.
0: They're chanting for NXT, and Rollins agrees. They mop the floor with Raw, and Seth says, "I grew up loving this show. It breaks my heart to see what this show has become." If if I was a if I was a normal individual watching this, that would be my my cue to figure out what else is on TV because I'm I'm done. He addresses the talent, saying, "You all sucked," <laughs> and says they dropped the ball. And this went from the A show to the C show. We've gone down two letter grades in one night. Then he starts picking people off one by one. First, he addresses Randy Orton, asks if Randy wants to speak up. He was the weak link on the team. And Orton, instead of approaching Rollins or doing anything, he just walks off. And Randy had to get something in. So right as he's going to the back, the image that – or the the clip that will – just be attached to Randy forever. He does the, the jerk off sign as he's walking to the back and Randy Orton, I guess, preserved his heat here.
1: Yeah, this was uh, the way he chose to combat this writing. And I mean, I think, I think for the Randy Orton character, I thought it worked pretty well.
0: Then he points out Charlotte said she was the leader. Wasn't even the last one standing for team raw. So then she leaves Then he chastises AOP, who weren't even
1: on the show. Wouldn't it have been great if everybody walking out did the same motion that Randy Orton did? (laughs) It's just the whole roster. AOP.
0: They've been talking for weeks, said we could have used you. But they don't need either of them. Then he moves to Rey Mysterio, who let all of us down. You couldn't beat Lesnar with a lead pipe or your stupid kid. While I beat Lesnar twice in the past year, everyone walks out on Seth. They're chanting asshole at him. And I, I've got to say, for Ray, this is the guy that just like had a blood feud defending his son's honor. And then this prick calls him, his son stupid.
1: And Ray just shrugs his shoulders at this guy. I didn't have a big issue with it. I mean, you have to remember, like, race probably up until this point saw Seth Rollins as a friend, somebody he respected, and to hear somebody who is your friend and, and that you that you respect say something like that, your immediate, you know, feelings aren't aren't to attack him. It's more so to take yourself out of the situation. To insult your child? I, th- yeah, I think that's I mean, going on. I mean, Brock actually attacked Dominic. You know, Seth calling his kid stupid isn't necessarily going to anger. Somebody like Rey Mysterio enough, in my opinion, to lay his hands on him or anything. And it was just like, what we had here was just Seth having to cut, you know, deliberately scathing heel lines that elicited a big reaction from the audience. And then Kevin Owens was the last one left.
0: He called him Mr. NXT and said he wants Raw to be the best show on the planet. He loves this place and Owens will never be him. And Owens ended it by stunning Seth Rollins. So at least someone got uh, some offense in here on Seth, and that was our that was our opening segment. So to recap, uh everyone
1: sucks <laughs> the C show, and why are you watching? I think we have to like you know get in the minds of of the writers and Vince McMahon, and you have to remember that we're in the midst of seeing a Seth Rollins heel turn, and therefore everything that Seth Rollins is saying is supposed to be something that the audience vehemently disagrees with because we all of course love raw so this guy's saying these things he, come on he, he didn't he, lie he, about anything though a, well that's the problem is that much of the audience actually agrees that raw sucks even the people well, that what's are the counter argument to this they, like well, these these performers they had no counter argument they accepted this right yeah i mean i suppose i think it was supposed to be clear that Raw Roll, rollins was exaggerating you know, like, was Randy Orton really the weak link? Did did it appear? Did, was it truly that way? I don't know. Um, Ray had a pipe. He couldn't pull it off. Uh, Charlotte wasn't even the final woman on the team. The The goal of the segment, I think, you know, really was, was to show what an asshole Seth Rollins is and how perhaps different he is from the Seth Rollins that we knew before. Um, and to do that, you had to have certain line, lines like this. I think, of course, you can definitely criticize whether or not it's it's right to have any of your characters, babyface or heel, make these sort of accusations and admissions on your own television program. Um but I understand what they're what they were going for, and I think if you're going to, you know, basically try to turn Seth Rollins heel in this particular segment with this type of reaction so that Owen stunning him gets a big reaction, I thought that was successful. It was very uh it was quite the segment to start the show. This sure, was, uh to me, like, really different from the usual type of storytelling we see from Vince and Raw, where rather than shying away from, like, Raw's loss at Survivor Series, like we saw... Like, did did SmackDown at all sell their loss at Survivor Series? Last year? Yeah. Or did they just ignore it? Like, was they, there any They mentioned at the
0: first SmackDown afterwards that they lost all their matches except for the pre-show with The New Day. But... It really went nowhere. It was like two or three weeks. It was not even ex- acknowledged.
1: Okay, well, here I feel like they were really drawing attention to the fact that Ross sucked last night, telling us in every instance how embarrassed the locker room is and using this loss to, to build storylines, which I, I find very different from, I think, the how proud usually Vince is of, of all of its shows. And, you know, like you, you could have just as easily ignored raw score last night and just moved on with proper storytelling or different story regular storytelling instead they were using the loss as a vehicle to build new storylines which i always kind of appreciate but of course you can make the argument about how much you want to admit that your show sucks charlie interviewed rollins after the break and he challenged kevin
0: owens for later on tonight and then we had footage from earlier in the day where rusev was served with his restraining order yeah, by a, uh, somebody pretending to be a fan. Was not a fan. And then we had the first hour of Raw that was structured very interestingly with quick matches uh, throughout. We had four very brief matches here in hour one. Starting off with Bobby Lashley and Titus O'Neil that went 62 seconds when Rusev ran in to attack Lashley, thus violating the restraining order. And they brawled up the up the stage to the announcer's area and... Rusev yells to Lana that it's not about her. The cops show up. They try to stop Rusev. He gets free and shoulder blocks Lashley off the stage. And Lashley just flies off. This is while Rusev is in handcuffs. Lana's screaming. Then there's the the big metal truss that Rusev kicks over, apparently landing on Lashley. And he's taken out on a stretcher. And, I mean, this was just chaos. But this was, uh, you know, a... A baby face that the audience got into here. Crowd
1: loved this. They were really He doesn't loud. take any shit from people. Oh, they, they wouldn't la- have taken Seth's shit either. Probably not. Yeah. They were very loud for this. Certainly, you know, I I wonder if this was even the loudest that the crowd was all show. Certainly one of the louder reactions. Um, I thought, you know, very much. I think they were trying to build a number of Steve Austin's on this show. Just, you know, essentially creating badasses. And this was, I think, partially the, the treatment that Rusev had. It, the angle is what it is, but I thought this was a good, good one for Rusev, and 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 really all of them on this on this particular show. AOP versus
0: Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. This featured the uh, the last chapter to Hawkins, then a super collider to both men, and then a suplex to Hawkins into a power bomb as Razor pinned Hawkins
1: in a minute twenty four, just very quick. AOP killing them. I I, kind of like the squashes, you know, they're really just there to show you who these guys are, to get you familiar with their finishing moves. I certainly wouldn't have had that much patience for like a 10-minute lastly, tightest match.
0: Yeah, I thought this first hour moved quick, and they were effective. It was just, Mm -hmm. you know, you you got the angle in the first match, and then it was establishing the the dominant players in the following
1: three matches with just squashes, and I was fine with it. We should also mention it was King and Vic Joseph on commentary, no Joe this week. And I'm starting to get really concerned for Deal Madden's health because the man has not be, been seen, seen for, what, two weeks, three weeks now? Ray, he needs to get Ray's stem cells because Ray was fine the next night. Clearly, yes. Maybe that's what yeah. he, he's doing. He's flying to Columbia. Yeah, that could be it. Triple H is going to be on WWE
0: backstage on Tuesday night. Um, no Punk as far, as far as we know, right? On this they show. didn't promote anything with Punk, so I'm assuming he's not on the show tomorrow night, and it, it didn't seem
1: like a very big priority this week at all. I'm curious to know what the what number this does without CM Punk, and, you know, just, I think, the staggered nature of CM Punk appearances. That's hardly going to create, I think, habitual viewing for uh, somebody who might be interested in seeing him on WWE backstage. Like, I think it's a mistake to not have him on for a second week. I think having him at least two weeks on encourages you know, the, the habit of, of of viewership and to not have him on second weekend. I don't know. I'm not really expecting great things. Yeah. Um, Andrade, Akira Tozawa,
0: this one went 227 with a German suplex delivered to Andrade and then Tozawa got stopped on top, hit with the double knees and the hammerlock DDT. Again, just a solid win for Andrade and yeah, I had no issue with this.
1: Nope, not at all.
0: And then we took a venture away. To the room. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do you understand... The consequences... Of your actions... Buddy Murphy? Do you understand the repercussions... Of what you have done? You knocked on my door... One week ago. But now... I understand... You... Have a match tonight. Well, I... I'm coming to collect what I'm owed. Your mere presence in this arena tells me you came to pick
1: a fight with me. That's a hell of an assumption. Well, I I guess my question is... what, What happened last week, dude? Yeah, what was all the dialogue that took place after you two, you and Buddy Murphy, lovingly stared into each other as we faded to... Not faded to black, but faded to the next picture. Like <laughs> just assuming that you guys stood there for forever. How did you guys get out of that particular situation? And why didn't you fight at that point then and there? Instead, Alistair had to come in, book this room, sit himself down here, and then come up with this soliloquy once once more. I, th- I think this shit is, has made him really lame for a long time now. But especially lame this week when I think they're... You're expecting so much urgency. He finally has an opponent, yet he's still got to wait another week plus an hour. You know what? For for this guy that is cl- clamoring for a fight from
0: anybody, you would think that the guy just running down this show, that this place sucks, all of you suck. I, th- I, think, I think Alistair really missed
1: out on that first segment. He had a golden opportunity. I mean... It- I you can argue that he he's probably had plenty of opportunity to just run down and pick a fight with somebody himself over the, over the past 6 months. This man's got did. an attention span problem. That happened last
0: week, he was busy doing something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I love all the speculation about what Alistair Black might have been doing in the Oh, room. that video, that
0: someone put oh, together. God.
1: I but, laughed out loud, fart, dude. I thought that was so funny. Fart noises like attack, uh,
0: yeah. I listen, not my kind of humor, but man was that funny
1: humor at its finest. Yes, it was great. Then out came the 45-year-old Hardy boy. Matt Hardy is back. You're not kidding cuz this was not broken Matt Hardy, not woken Matt Hardy, not even version 1 Matt Hardy. This was like, you know, um 1999 Matt Hardy. 1999. Yeah, Team Extreme Matt Hardy. It, like in the same like uh, pants, like that same type of shirt. Same I was music. I was set for uh, Michael Hayes to be out with him. Yeah,
0: matching Lita, outfit. Or Lita. Yeah, um, this probably. was a strange visual here, but I think we can see where this is going. He's taking on Buddy Murphy, and early on, Buddy hit the Cheeky Nando's kick, which was uh, it, its WWE version. It's called, oh, a kick by Vic Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> what would the WWE version
1: be? It the would the be Bojangles a- kick? Yeah. The Popeyes the, uh, kick.
0: The progressive insurance, your number one draft pick, uh kick. Your number one draft kick. Okay. <laughs> There's a side effect to Murphy. Then uh he calls for the twist of fate while he's doing the delete chant, and Murphy blocks him, hits a high knee, and then goes into his uh his golden lover finish, the V trigger, the Kamagoye, and he pins Matt Hardy in two fifty-six. But the emphasis is on the knee strikes to the head of Matt Hardy and potentially being knocked out. And uh Buddy Murphy, uh his nose was all bloodied up here, and this uh I I, I think this is the tease of, you know, Matt losing his mind again. Again?
1: <laughs> they made this is the whole thing. All right. So he's gone from being he was fragile, Matt. And now he's shattered Matt. <laughs> so he was broken before he came shattered to, Hardy before he came to the WWE. Once he came to the WWE, he was just kind of like, in a, in a, in a between state where he appeared to be perfectly fine. And then he slowly become became woken. And then I guess he just took time off and he healed himself and he's perfectly fine again. And now, all it took was one match with Buddy Murphy, and he's gonna become broken again. like I don't know if this dude should be wrestling, you know clearly like I don't know what type of concussion protocol um tests he's he's been passing, but I think this dude is way too susceptible for being uh, changing character based off of like one head strike
0: yeah the it's the sub concussive blows that are the most damaging, so maybe maybe they need to do a concussion
1: angle with this guy. he's not cleared, yeah. I mean, do they really need an excuse for him to, like, be be broken or woken again? Like, what? And do, do people care?
0: Um, it, do, it does feel like it's kind of past its expiration at this point. I mean, we're talking about the broken thing was really hot in 2016. It's like we're almost four years removed now. Yeah. Murphy then calls out Aleister Black. And the way he called him out, I mean, he was almost like... About to like start yodeling
1: or something. Like, did you hear how high pitched he got? Did uh, no, it didn't, but it reminds me of Cesaro's yodeling gimmick. The fact <laughs> that they actually did a gimmick based on yodeling, they gave it to a wrestler as great as Cesaro. Yeah, god, I, w- I want to say
0: that there was crossover like, of these multiple like, like adding like yodeling to Cesaro. Remember when Natalia farted?
1: Oh, yeah, that was yeah.
0: that was her deal. She farted when she'd lean over. Mm-hmm. some horrible shit that some of these performers we have an Olymp-
1: We have an Olympian doing a short gimmick. It's always like the best talent too that gets some of this this awful shit. Everybody's good, John. Like if you if you're fearing the WWE chances are you're actually a really good professional wrestler or an athlete or something. Um but yeah, sure, maybe maybe the very best ones somehow get sad- saddled with it because I don't know. They'd lack personality otherwise if they're not yodeling.
0: Black comes out. He does his his uh, his rise. He comes up on his riser with the uh, the creaking noise way. So that that's still part of his entrance, and fights with Murphy. Flying knee sends Murphy to the floor, and then Murphy backs off. He must have thought this guy was Seth Rollins or something. He didn't want to go near him, and they just had a a, a stare down. So Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black.
1: I'm excited future for your th- date. I'm excited for the match. You know, I thought this this physicality was great. I just hate that this guy who apparently has this insatiable need for violence, I mean, comes out here with a ton of aggression. Then he just gets into the ring, stays in the ring and watches as his, you know, (laughs) his prey just leaves. I, I really feel like, this would have been a case where black should have just came out and destroyed people. It doesn't have to be Murphy, but like, he should have just like went on a tear, destroying a bunch of people. Cause that's what the, the gimmick is, right? He's been caged for such a long time and he's waiting to be unleashed. Well, now he's unleashed and he just walks out here, does a few moves and then just stands in the ring. I, I think it's just really taken the edge off of him.
0: Yeah. I, I think last week, like it was so goofy. It was just so goofy. Uh, like, Everything with him that you don't know, like, is this comedy that they're going with this guy? Was it just poorly put together? But I I don't think people have a solid read on this guy. And he could be, you know, you could go one way or the other. He could be a real great kick-ass baby face or he could be this demonic dark heel. But this guy is... Like, you have, people are joking about he's stuck on the toilet while people are knocking on his door. Like, it's oh, just man. you're missing the mark, whatever way you're going with this guy. And I don't think people know how to how to take to him. And he
1: has enormous potential. If they had held off on his call-up for, like, you know, 10 months, we'd be seeing him as part of Team NXT as, uh, as a part of yep. this invasion. And he probably would have had somebody like Keith Lee's spot uh, in, in, in a show like Last Night. And just look at the world of difference where, you know... Like what a waste! Like look at this year for him. Like what's yeah.
0: what is this? He's been up on the main roster, dude, since February. Oh yeah, February. Oh, same with and the, what has he done?
1: Same with the AOP. Yeah,
0: he had that awesome match with Cesaro at one of the
1: pay per views, and that's about it. I don't remember that at all. I mean, oh. he he. It did give birth, I think, to to your wonderful wonderful recaps, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. So I'm grateful at least for that. The greatest part is
0: the. If you could see my Twitter feed when an Alistair Black promo occurs, like it's just I I am synonymous with one thing and one character and it's Alistair Black. Um, Charlie was with Charlotte Flair. She said she's never been a team player, but is the only one that was qualified to lead Team Raw and brought up how she beat Asuka at WrestleMania 34 and they'll have a rematch tonight. Smackdown promo. All they're promoting for Friday is a new face in the Firefly Funhouse.
1: So, are we talking a new puppet or an actual new, like, wrestler that'll be a I
0: thought I thought this was to mean he's going to try and hang up Daniel Bryan's photo. Oh, right. And then maybe we'll Bryan will stop it.
1: Wouldn't that be disappointing? I'm going to hang a new picture? That's your main hook for SmackDown?
0: That's what I took this to mean. Um, hmm. but, but maybe it's some new puppet. I'm not that interested in any version of whatever this new face in the Firefly Funhouse is. What I'm hoping is that... Uh, There's a new baby face in the Firefly Funhouse that people can get into. Because I don't know where you go with this guy next if this Brian feud's over. Yeah. AJ Styles was supposed to take on Humberto Carrillo for the United States title, but he gets jumped by Anderson and Gallows, leading to a magic killer on the steps. And then Ricochet comes to check on him. Styles cuts a promo, makes fun of Ricochet being a superhero, and Ricochet... It's like there should be a warning sign when the microphone enters this guy's hand. He said, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you telling me this is what the great AJ Styles has become?
1: Oh, my God. I, I like want to challenge you for a United States title match. I think we found our Alistair Black replacement when he's, once he's out of, out of the, the, the dark room. Wow. <laughs> Styles
0: says, I signed to face Carrillo, not you. So then Randy Orton comes out. He wants to face AJ for the title. Styles brings up that he beat him at WrestleMania. He's beaten both Ricochet and Orton. So Drew McIntyre comes out. And he's just going on about his sexy accent. How he beat Braun Strowman and Walter last night. Chicago doesn't deserve this match. But he
1: challenges AJ. Again, Styles not interested. It's notable that you know the mention of Walter elicited a ton of boos. So I think they're at least making it into a big deal. Whether or not they're actually planning on building to a match between the two remains to be seen. But I feel like this line was specifically put there just because they realized how big of a deal that was in hindsight. And then Rey Mysterio is the last one
0: out. He, too, makes a challenge. Ricochet suggests a fatal four-way where the winner faces AJ tonight, and then Gallows and Anderson agree that that's a really good idea, and
1: AJ is forced to accept all of this. I I mean, I'm happy with the number one contenders match. I just hate how lazy the segment was put together. Like, this, this is just your typical WWE career mode video game segment, you know. Like one person comes out, then another person comes out, then another person comes out. You put the only thing missing was Teddy Long to to make the match, and instead it was Gallows and Anderson somehow doing it themselves. So, um, I just I felt like it was just really like because you could tell where it was going from the very beginning. The 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 other ten minutes of it were just really tough to endure for me. So you're saying the SCU Chris Jericho segment set up a title match better last week, a little bit, yeah. Like, all I'm asking for is a bit of creativity, you know, maybe some entertainment, like, entertaining lines, good promos themselves. This was just, like, an excuse to show, for everybody to show their faces and hear their music. So, we get the four-way.
0: Uh, went 14 and a half minutes here. Um, you know, some some good stuff in this. Uh, some highlights included uh, Ricochet going for this inverted Rana that gets stopped on Drew McIntyre, who then goes for the inverted Alabama Slam, which is turned into a victory roll by Ricochet. McIntyre then comes out with a sit-out powerbomb for a two-count. The dreaded Claymore to Ricochet gets cut off with an RKO from Orton, and then the OC pull Orton to the floor and send him into the barricade. Ricochet blocks a West Coast pop by Ray, who then comes off the rope for a Cabrata. It's caught by Ricochet, and then Ray uses a small package... And pins Ricochet in fourteen twenty nine, And Rey Mysterio is advancing to
1: challenge AJ Styles. Despite the way that it was built, I thought this turned into a really fun match. Uh, for me, especially starting with the the, the Randy Orton-Drew McIntyre chop fest. So I guess, like, in pinning and defeating Walter, Drew McIntyre must have stolen his superpower as well. Because these chops were insane from Drew McIntyre. And in fact, I, I kind of feel like he got the better of Walter even last night. So I I, I would I wouldn't mind it at all if Drew started to like keep this as part of his repertoire, especially if they might build to a potential match between he and Walter down the road, because his chops sound loud as fuck. Um I thought the three non-winners all looked really good here, you know? Orton's great, Drew's great, Ricochet's great. Uh I just I I I think Drew especially though, when I think of any of these guys in a potential Program, I just don't have that much interest because it's none of them have had a really good story in a long time. So, uh I, Ray by far I think has the most you know interest of anybody because he was just coming out of such a hot program with Brock. Yeah, it was.
0: You know, at the beginning of this segment, it kind of felt deflating that, okay, Ray is just being moved down to this U.S. title picture. But by the end of this, like, this was a pretty strong follow-up for Ray, all things considered. Mm -hmm. So we go into this AJ-Ray match for the United States title, and it's all AJ from the beginning. Then Ray avoids a lawn dart, sending AJ into the corner. The 619 gets stopped when Anderson yanks the foot, and it leads to Anderson and Gallows getting ejected, and we go through the break. And from here, AJ grabs him for the Ushikuroshi for a two-count. Then Ray counters a Styles Clash for a Code Red. And there's a huge pop when Ray finally is able to hit the 619. AJ, though, in taking the 619, runs into the referee who is out cold from this stumbling man that knocks into him.
1: Well, they're very fragile people, too.
0: I guess so. Gallows and Anderson return, they're attacking Ray as Orton comes out, and, you know, Orton's been playing this kind of, like, kind of tweener role, but tonight really felt like he is on the babyface side.
1: I think Orton's always going to somewhat exist in that role, you know, he's the edgy babyface, so that when he, even when he is a full babyface, he, he you still don't know where his allegiances truly lie.
0: This uh, leads to a 619 on Styles, then Randy hits the RKO on AJ, and Ray comes off the top with a splash and gets the cover at, uh, how long did they go here? They went 15 minutes and 16 seconds, so Ray did like 30 minutes here between these two matches.
1: Right, I mean, though the first match, you know, were was in spurts because of the, the nature of the match, um, but yeah, no, he was on screen for a long time, and like you said, I think th- this was a good follow up for Rey Mysterio. If he's not going to get a rematch from with Brock, which it appears right now he isn't, I think to to pivot to something like this was a good follow up. I think some people may may find issue with having Orton being the one to like you know, uh, essentially you know take away raise Rey, credibility with the with the victory. But I mean, it it builds to Orton versus AJ, which I think worked out perfectly fine here. This, though, begs the question who Ray will be working with now for the U.S. belt. And obviously, Humberto Carrillo was set to get a U.S. title opportunity and didn't get one here. These two had that little interaction like last week between, you know, uh, rookie and legend. Do you think that this could work as a program?
0: Yeah, I think that what you go through now is... Ray just having a lot of fun matches with like this whole crew that you saw out here. That he can do the match with Ricochet, he can do the match with Umberto Carrillo, with AJ, with Randy. And I think that that's going to kind of be Ray's role. That, um, instead of you know being your world champion that can have all these hot matches on TV, he's the U.S. champion that can still do hot matches and whatever this ultimately builds up to with Dominic.
1: Yeah, there's that. I, I am particularly. Particularly interested to see what's going on with Humberto Carrillo and when the decision was made to put Rey Mysterio in the spot uh, as opposed to him. um, I find it fascinating because he's been somebody that they've been focusing on for so long in ever since you know Paul Heyman and like October basically where Humberto Carrillo came out here. So I can't see them just like dropping him as a part of this whole thing. I I I mean I I'm trying to think what a feud between Carrillo and Rey Mysterio might look like because it would certainly rely, have to rely eventually on Carrillo, maybe even working as a heel, and will that work, you know, will will that be the thing that might actually get his personality out there I'm not sure, but I think the match should be awesome either way so
0: after this segment uh, Dominic was out there celebrating it, like they really pushed uh, the miracle that they kept calling this and Dominic lifting his dad up on his shoulders, and yeah, the a big win here for Rey Mysterio, and also worth noting was that on the Allstate Arena's website, they were advertising Brock Lesnar for
1: tonight, but no appearance by Brock. All right, yeah, uh, I guess makes you wonder if he'll even be at TLC if they got nothing for him here.
0: I would, I didn't think there was a likely chance of that anyway. Um, but when you threw in the idea of Rey and Dominic together, I mean, it sounded crazy, but I, I. It doesn't seem or else you would shoot some angle tonight. You would think. Hmm. Owens is in the back. He takes the microphone from Charlie to address Rollins. He's known who he is since he laced up his first set of wrestling boots and the entire time in WWE. He's never tried to be something he's not. Even when people tried, he would say, no, he's fine being Kevin Owens. Whereas Rollins always wants to be what this company wants him to be. And he's become a miserable and an insufferable prick. So, Mr. CrossFit, that stunner from earlier was nothing. There's another coming your way tonight
1: as I turn Monday Night Rollins into the Kevin Owens show. Good promo from Owens. You know, essentially, I think vocalizing much of the audience's frustrations with the persona that Seth Rollins has built for himself, Mm -hmm. both on TV and also, I suppose, on the Internet. Um, And I think Owens in this current Steve Austin-like character is a perfect antithesis. For, for this particular storyline and this particular version of Seth. Um, judging by the audience reaction, he is by far a better choice to lead this particular show as a top babyface than Seth at the moment. Owen speaks with the very authentic voice that Rollins just doesn't have. But as a heel, I think this version of Rollins is already working out really well. They missed such
0: a golden line in that opening segment with Seth running down the whole roster and saying, all of you and your inadequate performances you're taking
1: food off my table oh he could have just recycled <laughs> his whole t- timeline absolutely uh that should have that should have been the, the line can he can he call out uh somebody a journalist uh, in storyline for for um inaccuracy or well we we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll see where Seth goes uh yeah. with
0: all of this stuff um uh maybe he'll start making uh making references to why he is the greatest wrestler in the world i would love to see that character on tv yeah he he really should just run with the best in the world moniker now if if you're gonna push this whole punk thing like go all the way sure and it's like in its place you you have some surrogate but i mean i i really feel like this is priming rollins to be the ideal opponent for whenever punk is ready to come back it's Just a question of when is that guy going to be willing to come back? Because I think everybody is thinking that day will come. It's just, will it be next WrestleMania? Will it be two
1: WrestleManias from now? Um, I I think it's also just like the best direction you you can take Seth Rollins at the moment. You know, if you're going to turn him heel, like he's already got all this heat built in from his, you know, whatever. Like that he's been doing. So why not run with it? Yeah, I think the key now is just having that
0: that top babyface, and it seems that like Kevin Owens is going to be that guy for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Asuka and Charlotte Flair. Uh, during this match, we learned from Jerry Lawler that Kyrie Sane and Asuka have been studying the great Kabuki for the us- utilization oh. of the
1: green mist. Yeah. I I mean, that's obviously Lawler's reference point, so I, I I guess it was nice that he was able to contribute something. Somewhere in this whole thing, Lawler had the line... I guarantee you last night when Charlotte Flair lost at Survivor Series, her dad, Ric Flair was looking down on her. And this created a bit of a stir online because people, I think felt it was like a weird interaction he had with Vic where like Vic paused for a second and said, uh, Ric Flair's not dead. So it was just like a really awkward moment because I know what Lawler meant. I don't think, you know, uh, he meant exactly what people were, or even even what Vic Joseph thought he meant, but it yeah, was I think if Vic hadn't have said that lot, like looking down on them, like looking down on them in disappointment, that's what he meant clearly. But you know, it became it created a bit of a stir um, in in the live Twitter uh, reactions. Yeah, I, I I think that's more so because Vic reacted that way and said that line. I certainly it if- sounded awkward. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I I don't think that deep into it at all
0: um oscar then takes a boot rolls to the floor and flair then chases after Kyrie, saying into the crowd as we go into the commercial they also are bringing up that charlotte is still dealing with the effects of the mist because you can see the mist still in her hair
1: i mean i'm sure that sucks trying to get that stuff out those are the effects
0: Imagine spending, like, hours trying to get that shit out, and then you get to TV the next day, and you look at the finish of your match. (laughs) It's like, I'm going 17 minutes, and this is the fucking finish. So uh, there's an Oscar lock. Flair then rolls over uh, on on top of her for a two-count. Forearm exchange, then there's a moonsault with Flair landing on her feet, the natural selection gets countered with Asuka going for an arm bar into a triangle, but Flair breaks out of that and applies a Boston Crab, Asuka gets to the rope, then hits a head kick on Flair, Flair comes back with a spear, and then Kyrie returns, and Flair again goes after her on the floor, running her into the post, and then as... Charlotte rolls into the ring with Oscar. The referee is dealing with Kyrie while Oscar nails her with the mist and rolls up Charlotte seventeen minutes
1: seventeen seconds. This wasn't just like any miss. this was like a gallon of mist like an like a a tank full of mist like I had not seen this much mist and ever come out of Asuka's mouth, but this it was it was everywhere, but it's a finish that's over. It works um seems like this feud is continuing as a result because of this illegitimate win um i i really like this match actually i thought it was well worked i thought these two continued to show that same chemistry that that they had for their media match but it absolutely died in front of this audience and i'm not exactly sure what was wrong but this crowd just did not give a shit at all about this match and i think that was troublesome because this thing was scheduled to go long and as a result much of it felt Really awkward because of, like, a lot of weird silence that was throughout much of it. It was a problem that I think a lot of matches last night had, but a lot of those matches managed to get the audience by the end. This, I felt, never got there, unfortunately. So, uh, our good friend Jimmy Corderas pointed out, So the ref is
0: not seeing the green mist all over Charlotte Flair's face? Who do you think from the WWE was going to respond to Jimmy Corderas? Um... Has somebody? Has somebody done that? The the quote the, the response was Jimmy, it's new mist. It's actually clear to the naked eye and is only amplified by TV cameras. Corey Graves.
1: You're fucking kidding me. <laughs> oh yeah. Corey been, was uh He's been that busy on, on Twitter. God he's just, just of all people it's like trying to pick a fight a, with everyone. He's the real Al- Alistair Black. Could be
0: then oh he uh then, then jimmy goes by the way is this also true about the red lighting during the fiend matches cory <laughs> cory i've actually never seen a fiend match
1: so i can't comment oh my god so those what only happen in like our minds is that well, what i think you he's mean?
0: i think he's making fun that you can't see his matches because
1: of the lighting oh got it okay all yeah. right
0: anyway yeah maybe great. he's just trying to move on to uh another controversy
1: yeah, so uh, uh, a what safer do you, one. What do you think, anyway, where do you think they go from here?
0: Um, I, th- well, th- they're advertising for TLC uh, locally. Charlotte and Becky challenging the Kabuki Warriors in a TLC match. So, so they've I would announced that match that, already. Well, locally they're promoting this, and uh, the Observer reported that that is accurate. Like that is the plan of where they're going. So unless they change direction, but I Becky's kind of been tied to the Kabuki Warriors prior to all the Survivor Series build up. So I could see next week uh Becky maybe coming to Charlotte's aid and we get a tag program because there's no one ready for Becky.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, a TLC match you said, right?
0: Yeah, I believe okay. they yeah, they're advertising as a TLC
1: match. I mean so that's an interesting new wrinkle, but God, like I feel like this thing would be way hotter had they not already gone to to those tag matches between Becky and Natalia and Charlotte with the Kabuki Warriors, because I thought, like, the whole... Like, Natalia getting a win over Asuka in that particular tag match made absolutely zero sense, and I think threw everything off. And Becky... Like, didn't they have a follow-up after that that resulted in what? Who lost that? It doesn't even matter. I, my point is... I, last
0: last week, Becky and Charlotte teamed up. They beat the Iconics. Prior to that, Asuka and Kyrie Sane beat Becky and Charlotte two weeks ago. On the show in England,
1: okay. I I just I have far less interest in in even them announcing that TLC match because I think they've just jumbled this this whole thing so much between you know Charlotte and her whichever tag team partner she chooses that week and the Kabuki Warriors. But this this stuff between Charlotte and and Asuka them themselves starting from with from last last night's Survivor Series match up until this point, I think has been actually really good.
0: We had a close-up of Eric Rowan talking to his mysterious figure in the cage and then he took on Kyle Roberts and Roberts darts to the floor and tries to look into the cage and Rowan murdered him, threw him into the steps, to the post, two claw slams and one in a minute 24.
1: I love that they had this like jobber just (laughs) do this to to illustrate how serious Rowan takes this cage uh, thing. But this... I thought this died in front of this crowd too. And I felt like this, the rest of the show was going to have a lot of trouble with 30 minutes remaining. Did you, did you like, what do you think of that? Like, do you think that it was just a lack of reaction from the crowd or do you think there was any manipulation from the, the, the microphone audio department going on? Uh, for for what specifically? I suppose like in the event that there were chance that they didn't want to be as audible. Do you feel like there's any possibility that they might've lowered crowd, crowd noise?
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't really... I, I couldn't tell. Like, Whenever the punk chants... like they, There were several of them, but they were very brief. They were not sustained. And then, and then died out quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it didn't seem like there was a large number. It was just like a certain amount of people making some noise. But then, yeah, they would not last long. So uh, I don't know if they just died out quick because no one else was chanting with them or if there was any... Um, kind of adjusting of, of the audio. I, I would think at this point, the fact that they're referencing, they're playing off of them, I would think they'd they'd want these punk chants now.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh
0: the Iconics did a Black Friday sale with R Truth, uh an ad. Then Charlie interviewed Lana. R Truth comes
1: in and steals. That's what well, he did. That's, that's what he did. That's
0: uh I guess that's that's one option that that you have when you go to uh, any of these sales, just steal stuff. I guess so. Yeah. Is the twenty four seven title done?
1: Well, uh, this week did he take? What, what is he? Did he take the twenty four seven belt? I think that's he, what he he stole. he he stole his own belt.
0: Was it last week? He he lost it to the employee and then he lost, he won it back from the employee. I can't even tell you who the champion is right now. I think it's our truth, but.
1: Don't quote me on that. I think he's a champion. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, Lana said that Rusev is a danger to himself and all of society. He had a petition. He She has had to petition multiple courts for multiple restraining orders. WWE should fire him and send him back to Bulgaria. She kept referring to Lashley as my Bobby and then said that despite all of this, what happened tonight, Lana is okay. Thank you for asking. All right. Great. Rollins and Owens, our main event. There was a lot of time left on this show. Uh, this match ended up going 14 minutes. The punk chant started in the opening minute. But again, as we mentioned, they didn't last long. And as we went to our first commercial break, they ran a promo featuring old clips of Starcade uh, to promote this Sunday is Starcade at 7 o'clock p.m. No match announcements, just some random clips, and it's going to be great
1: on Sunday. God, i i i didn't even see it honestly myself, and I have zero interest. I mean, especially uh, coming off of I think a very eventful weekend. I i'm i kind of am suffering from WWE fatigue anyway, and the fact that there's probably not going to be any important matches on this show. It's one hour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of of what?
0: It's just they're taking an hour out of a house show to air on the network. That's it. So. I don't think it's high on most people's priority list. Um, Owens went for a Swanton landing on Rollins' knee. And then Rollins gets in control. More punk chance at this point. Owens fights back, hits a cannonball. There's a Swanton off the apron to the floor. And then a frog splash for a two count. Owens then takes a blockbuster, a falcon arrow. But then Rollins misses with the stomp. The stunner gets countered. Owens hits the pop-up powerbomb. They're trading super kicks. Rollins is in control. And he sets up for the stomp. And then... Uh, gets hit with the stunner right as AOP walked down. And AOP get into the ring, and Owens stands up to Aikam, slaps him, and they beat the hell out of Owens. The DQ is called at 14 minutes and 2 seconds. The crowd hates this. They are chanting bullshit. AOP continued to double-team Owens to no heat as they repeatedly sent him into the corner. And then... Uh there's a running boot driving Kevin Owen's head into the post. So maybe we'll get uh broken Kevin as well.
1: Broken Kevin. Mm. Okay. What would what would that entail? Um He would speak I don't know. with an accent? Uh,
0: maybe he would be Yeah, maybe he'd only speak French from th- now
1: on. I think Sami Zayn should get a broken version. And he could revert to you know, his masked friend.
0: You you could potentially do that if you could
1: locate the Masked Man. He's
0: retired now. If you could
1: locate Sami Zayn at this point.
0: So uh, at the end, they do a stare down between AOP and Rollins. And Rollins is getting ready to fight them when AOP just leaves. So Rollins hits KO with the stomp. Then a second stomp as he's yelling, we'll make this place better together. Either the easy way or the hard way. So you're reminded, this show's awful, and the storyline, the top storyline, is that these guys are fighting
1: to make this show better. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's our takeaway.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, in this match, I mean, to me, it was like Seth Rollins uh, exhibiting a lot of heel traits. I mean, he worked the whole match as the heel. Uh, in fact, going into commercial, he pulled out a steel chair, threatening to use it as if he was a heel. And of course, they ended the show with him attacking another babyface while he was down in Seth Roll or sorry, in Kevin Owens stomping him multiple multiple times and just you know doing it all to a chorus of boos from this audience. So I don't. They haven't necessarily confirmed Rollins' association with AOP yet, but I personally personally think that'll be the direction. I feel like it's a little obvious. If the eventual outcome here is Rollins using AOP as his new J and J security, taking on Kevin Owens, I think the idea is great. I think it helps bolster Rollins. I think it helps you know bolster AOP with a superstar leader in front of him. and I think it gives it gives like a great heel group for Rollins for Owens to take on single handedly. So, I. You know you definitely can debate whether or not Rollins' speech at the beginning of the show was healthy for any or necessary for anything you know that they wanted to get to in the storyline, but I think coming out of it, I really like the re- the direction of both Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins
0: yeah, it's um yeah we'll we'll see where all of this goes it's um I don't know I, i'm I'm just I'm never a fan of telling your audience that this sucks and you don't have the like so much of that opening segment was just pretty much it it, it's met with indifference with the exception of Kevin Owens, who is the guy that is feuding with them, but it just seemed to make everyone look kind of lackluster. Like they were accepting of these criticisms and nothing that the audience could even argue based on last night. Like this is, this is the losing team. This is, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, they do have to sell the loss. You know, one of these three brands had to have some type of like losing. They had, they had to lose. And I, I just feel like that that's just their springboard to get to this Seth Rollins heel character. You know, like again, you have to remember like Seth Rollins promo here was meant to sound like it was an exaggeration and that it was meant to outrage all of us loyal WWE Monday night, raw viewers, How can this guy say this about our beloved show, you know, uh, our beloved show true as it may be, but like, that's how I think the promo was designed, you know, here's like who somebody we thought was supposed to be our leader, our representative talking this much shit about it. Um, So you have to remember maybe how this might sound to, let's say somebody who's like a staunch WWE raw defender, Um, you know? Like, anyway, that's just – it's how they choose to to tell the Seth Rollins story right now.
0: I think with Raw at the moment, it's like – this This is a show that is very much – like, it is – the storyline is, like, this is a – this is, like, a, a sports team that is out of the playoffs and yeah. is rebuilding. It's a rebuilding phase. And that's really what Raw is. It's It's a bunch of guys that you have very few – I would say stars, like, top stars – and you could say that for SmackDown too, can't you? Yeah, you could argue that for SmackDown as well, certainly. But Raw is the one you can at least see that there's a lot of underneath talent that they are trying to get over to the next level. And some of them will make it, some won't. But you can see like with Ricochet, with Umberto, with Alistair Black, with AOP, like there are a lot of these acts that they are trying to get over at the moment, but no one to me is like that that super that superstar at the moment
1: clearly you know there was a problem at the top and at the top was seth rollins attempted to you know be the, the the big baby face and it simply wasn't working to me it feels like there kevin owens has a much bigger much better chance of assuming that role and being successful at it whereas i think rollins is maybe a really good fit for being a, a top heel right now because the audience doesn't really like him that much anyway and because you know he he it just whatever he's been doing thus far has not been working for him. So I, I I do have high hopes for this program. What would you? What do you think would be your your preferred
0: world champion right now? Brock Lesnar, where you pretty much have an inactive title until major shows, and he's just gone, or a champion that's there every week, but it's the Fiend, and that comes
1: with its limitations. I think I would rather the Fiend. Honestly, because at least he would have a presence on the show. Brock is nice when he's around. But again, I don't think he's somebody who ever needs the belt in order to to have that sort of value. Whereas, I mean, I'm looking on Raw and I wouldn't even mind Rollins with the belt right now, especially if he's going to be a heel, you know, um, and Owen's trying to chase. But ultimately, obviously, I'd much prefer the belt being, you know, battered around between people that are actually going to be there week to week. All right, that was uh, that was raw. What did you think of tonight's show? I, you know, I thought it was uh, an edition of Raw that was somewhat free from the handicap, nor the benefits of, I think, the brand intermingling brand stuff from Survivor Series. And as a result, for better or worse, I think we're we're finally able to resume some proper storytelling and character build here. I feel like we had that again with Rollins, with with uh, Kevin Owens, uh, Ray Mysterio. I thought was a positive on the show. Uh, but I think a lot of the matches, while they were decent, definitely suffered from the lack of energy in the crowd for whatever reason that that might have caused that. Yeah, I would
0: say that, um, you know, you, you had some like fast moving matches in the first hour and then you got like your minutes with the, the four way and the U.S. title. And I think that th- those came off very well. Um, yeah, it was uh, to me. To me, it was kind of the final hour. I wasn't as much into it. I think the crowd was just done at this point, And um. Yeah, it was kind of just a mi- a mixed bag of a show. So, um, let's go and see what everyone had to say on the forum. On a scale of one to ten, the forum gave this a six point two two, which is pretty high for RAW standards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like close to Survivor Series,
1: actually, if I remember.
0: All right. Let's start off with Paul in New Jersey. This Seth losing the locker room because he's a tool angle is great. This show only enforces that Kevin Owens should be a top babyface priority in this company, as well as win the rumble and leave WrestleMania with gold. As goofy as Murphy and Black was last week, I thought they did a good job tonight, and this feud has potential. A pretty enjoyable episode with seeds planted for future feuds, negatives, too many missed spots, as in M-I-S-T, and it was, and was it me or was Lawler extra baddie
1: tonight? I don't know what it is, but I I mean, maybe it's the lack of a third man that that's now requiring Lawler to take on a bigger, bigger role. He definitely felt like he was out of his element for a lot of these matches. I mean, like, I don't think he even knew Akira Tozawa's name. So I think he gets more exposed, certainly when when it's just he and, and Vic we go got a Brandon from Oshawa who says this was easily one of the best Raws of the year. Owens, Mysterio and Rusev were all super over and they should be focused on as the top baby faces of the brand. I thought at the beginning of the show that a Rollins AOP pairing would be solid. And I love that the show ended with that, a potential tease of that. My only issue was that the Viking Raiders didn't stand up for themselves being the only winners from raw. They look like total losers in that opening segment.
0: Yeah, they totally glossed over it, but I guess the story you're telling is raw failed. And you're not going to point out the the victory. It goes against the overall story. But it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a logic gap, certainly, that Viking Raiders are there. And they won for the brand. Guy from Charlotte, North Carolina. Raw continues to be an improved show. It's far from great or even very good. But it's much better than it was a few weeks ago. Even the Rusev-Lashley stuff is starting to pay off. The United States title saga tonight was pro wrestling at its best. And the main event was a very good match with a potential angle being set up at the end. I thoroughly
1: enjoyed tonight. 7 out of 10. Go to Luke from Quebec who says, I commend WWE both for following up on Raw's poor performance at Survivor Series, but more importantly, for not forcing Seth to be a face when the crowd has clearly turned on him. A rare occurrence of them going along with what people want instead of fighting it. Best moment of the the night was the odd, very New Japan-like moment between Drew and Orton. You know, wrestling is a f- is fucked up because the whole time Ray was on his son's shoulders, all I could think about was that he was going to drop him Evolution style. The U.S. belt is worthless, but still a very nice moment for Ray, especially in the building where he won the title all those years ago. Lawler was extra annoying tonight, bringing up Seth's speech and NXT's victory way too much. I mean, you know he's directed to do do that, right? I uh, mean,
0: that's that was kind of the direction that they were going in tonight. So yeah, they're going to hit you over the head with the story. Uh, Samuel from Quebec. I thought raw was really good tonight for the first time in a long time. The three hours didn't feel as long as usual. I'm glad Seth is now a heel playing an oblivious asshole, clearly inspired by his Twitter game. Kevin Owens is finally back to being used as a major star, and I hope this lasts more than a couple months. Best part of the show was the fatal four-way that led to the U.S. title match. Every exchange between Ray and Ricochet was amazing to watch. AJ and Ray was also superb, and I love how the U.S. title change felt like a huge deal. Alistair Black looked badass while he attacked Murphy, and I can't wait for these two to have a match. I'm glad the Kabuki Warriors are getting airtime and
1: actually win matches, and it gives us an 8 out of 10. got a Jay from Colorado who says, What was going on with Lawler tonight? At one point at the beginning of the Flair Oscar match, he said, yeah, he's talking about the Ric Flair line. Uh yep. Decent show tonight, though, even the Bobby Lashley and Rusev stuff was good, seven out of ten. I mean, in
0: fairness to Lawler, in that same match, he also said that he was with Ric Flair on Saturday.
1: Afterwards. Yeah, after the fact. But yes. So I I think it was just miscommunication that might have been blown a little bit out of proportion given, you know, Vic's response, but maybe still perhaps if Poor choice of words, given that it was Ric Flair he was talking about.
0: Alexander from Portland. I wasn't able to watch all of Raw tonight, but I just had some questions. Multiple times, AOP was told, you should have been there at Survivor Series. Why weren't they? Did they have a chance to participate and chose not to? Secondly, Seth said everyone sucked. Why didn't the Viking Raiders defend themselves as the only winning part of Raw? Regardless, I'm happy to see there being stakes for the losers. Raw's making their their losses at Survivor Series into a storyline, but why couldn't we have had something like this last year when SmackDown lost all but one match? Tonight we saw the return of Matt Hardy. What do you think is the best way to book him without Jeff?
1: Hmm. Uh, You know, it remains to be seen where they're going. I mean... I'm not that confident, John, that they're even going to follow up Follow up with a broken Matt Hardy thing. Like, I feel like he might just be destined for the, this type of spot where occasionally he'll show up and then lose to somebody up and coming. Maybe even a 24... I guess, like, the broken character could be a good fit in the 24-7 division. That's um, where I could see, like... And it may...
0: I, I would think, like, Matt is is very smart when it comes to coming up with, like, new things to his character and such i'm sure he's got some idea that he's probably pitched and i'm sure they're gonna go with it that you know they made enough emphasis about him being knocked out tonight that i think that that is kind of what what it was designed to be at the end but yeah i see this as you know undercard comedy like nothing significant
1: him like you know taking the 24 7 belt as part of like the broken universe as an excuse to create more of those like um Videos, I think, could actually be very promising. Hopefully, that's... It, would,
0: it would be a
1: new something for that 24 7 title. Right. Sure. Finally, we go to Nas, not the rapper from New York City. Great show. More of these on Mondays, please. Ray winning was so, so awesome. That match ended right before 10 p.m. Imagine how awesome it would be if Raw was only two hours and that wouldn't end at the weekend. Lots of good wrestling tonight. Again, the Rusev and Lashley segment was great too. AJ Styles didn't utter a single word for a good minute and still had a better promo than most of Seth Rollins this year. Eight out of ten show. Very All right, positive well, reaction to Raw. Very
0: positive. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I, I thought it was. Um, I didn't think it was a great
1: show, but it wasn't a bad show. Definitely. So I think there was more good than bad on the show. There were certainly a lot of, I think, storytelling positives that that took place on the show. Good, you know, good matches too. If uh, like, especially you know, Ray Ray Mysterious contributions. Uh, but I, I'm actually looking forward to the direction of some of these stories that they started today. All right. Well,
0: that wraps up the WWE's four nights in Chicago. Wayne and I are going to be back Tuesday night. Ask away. That will be dropping for post-wrestling cafe members. So look out for that. And then Wednesday night, it is Rewind a Dynamite. As uh, Where are they this week? Oh, they're at the Sears Center this
1: week. Yeah, everything's sticking around in Chicago. So mm-hmm. big week continues. Did you get to see the, uh, the Road to? No, no. oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, by the way, we were going to talk about the uh, Undertaker thing, aren't we?
0: That's right. That's right. Let's. Uh, we can go through that too. But, but okay, the,
1: Road Two. Yes, I did see
0: it. Yeah, I thought it was. You know, it's it's twelve minutes, but it's just. I I really love that series. Just great promos. Uh, I enjoyed Cody. I also
1: enjoyed Doctor Michael Sampson. Yep, yep. Refresh me because like it's it was like it's been almost like a f- several days, and I've seen a lot of wrestling in between. So we saw so- Cody get checked on.
0: Yeah, Cody was being checked on and the main thing is that he has he has no words to describe what MJF did to him because he was someone that he took under his wing. He knew MJF was a heel, but he was his heel and he saw the good in MJF and thought he was loyal to him. But this Wednesday, he's going to have a live mic and the words are going to come to him and he's also going to have a match on Wednesday. I just think Cody, this is his element. He's so good in this role, and Michael Sampson was just giving, like, the, the medical professional's opinion of what happened to Cody at Full Gear, the um, how the cut was reopened on TV after Full Gear, and getting him off TV last week so that he could be cleared in time for Wednesday. So, no, I just thought it was, like, a great way to set up the show on Wednesday, and it's all like, you just want to hear Cody's response to mjf and that's part of the
1: appeal of wednesday's episode do you think that there's there's a way do you think this should have been somehow integrated into last last week's episode um
0: i I don't mind these being like the 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 like standalone online um but yeah you can certainly take these elements and work them into the show so that more people are seeing these just like pre-produced pieces like it doesn't have to be 12 minutes but you can still take um s- some like aspects of this and integrate it into the show
1: you could i think nxt has found like a decent balance of like you know i know that you pu- can't possibly air this 12 minute you know pre-taped thing on live tv and not expect a hit in ratings but i feel like they've got found a good balance where like even a 30 second little video showing something like this was enough to get you into the mindset of some of the stories behind the matches. So I, I would certainly love to see more of that uh, on dynamite proper. Yeah. Well, maybe we're going to keep Tegan Knox off TV
0: for a week. And then next week it'll be her Road to- her words about yeah. Dakota Kai. Ooh. Okay. Uh, the broken skull sessions, this aired after the survivor series. It was a, uh, 90 plus minute interview a sit down with steve austin interviewing the undertaker and i guess this was jarring for some people to see the undertaker in this kind of environment this is certainly the longest interview of its kind that he's ever done he's done ones you know in the past but they're very few and far between but um well how long was the
1: one with the minister
0: um, not this not, long, not, probably not an hour and a half.
1: That one was right. what? Maybe 40 minutes or so, 45 minutes. It was still pretty substantial, but yeah, maybe this was way longer than that.
0: Also, like, if, I mean, just not the same level of content, like God bless Ed Young, but he was, <laughs> <gasps> sure. did, did that stuff really hurt, man? How many injuries do you have? Oh my God. <laughs>
1: I'm um, really good at young. I don't even
0: know what Ed Young sounds like, but I'll take your word for it. Um, You know, it's – first of all, I, I think Austin is really great in oh, yeah. these – like this is a guy that he's just – he's such a great interviewer because – yeah, let, let's be honest. This, this guy could, if he wanted to, have an extremely high opinion of himself and it's like, dude, you've never seen someone that is like more mm-hmm. humble that – you know, is legitimately among the the greatest stars in the history of this industry. Oh my God! And He just he comes not- across. He's just he's so self deprecating, apologetic, and just, just humble throughout. He defers to his guest and puts the guest on a pedestal, and that's
1: every Austin interview. I completely agree with you. You know, if you're going to talk about like the top three stars of all time. Certainly Austin would fill one of those slots, if not the top spot for a lot of people, but you wouldn 't really be able to tell from the way he does his interviews and like you said he's he 's somebody who um, is very giving of the spotlight, does not ever want to hog hog it if there 's a way for him to inject himself into a story it 's incredibly organic and does not take away from the focus of of the conversation and This goes for everybody, not just the undertaker, but if you listen to his interviews on his podcast with the, you know even somebody like a um um Brian Kendrick, you know, or or anybody. He I'm I'm really impressed at how how good of an interviewer he is.
0: Yeah, I I think he's tremendous. Um they went through like his his early the Undertaker's early days as a fan um and then hooking up with Buzz Sawyer who, you know, was was this tremendous talent who um, you know, just peaked really early in his life and then just got I just got in a bad way and the guy died by the time he was 31 years old and had set up to train the Undertaker with a bunch of other guys and then just, you know, split town and left them. They, you know, took their money essentially and he pretty much said he didn't have a whole lot of good things to say about Buzz Sawyer and then they go into their own time like working together in Texas very early on when uh, Taker had started a few years before Austin, but they were both uh, very green. And then we go into the WCW days where he teamed with uh, Dan Spivey as part of the skyscrapers replacing a Sid when he went down with a lung injury and then being told by Ole Anderson that no one was ever going to pay money to watch you wrestle and they were not going to be renewing his contract once it came due. So it was Paul Heyman that was able to kind of get him a meeting with the WWF and he met with Vince McMahon and, there was no deal offered. They said, if we don't have any plans right now and we'll, we'll keep you in mind. So he was really at a spot where he didn't have a lot of great options at this point with the WCW door shut and now nothing at WWF. And then he gets the call in 1990 and gets pitched the Undertaker character. And he was frightened that he was going to be debuting. Uh, he was going to be hatched from the egg at the Survivor Series that year and become Eggman.
1: I'm, I'm sure a real concern that anybody might have had um honestly though like the undertaker obviously is like one of those legit i mean it's it's one of the best characters of all time in wrestling but i don't know on the surface it could have definitely failed like really really spectacularly too um you, you mean as the undertaker yes oh definitely like that
0: you see that character you would think this is going to get two to three years out of it tops. Mm -hmm. And then this thing is like, and that to me really came through in this interview that he really had, um, he certainly even at a young age had quite a great mind for this thing and how to work this character. And he talked about the fact that he was extremely athletic, but he had to tone down his matches because doing anything athletic as the undertaker, it would be, Short-term, it would be great, but long-term, it was going to kill the character in his mind, and he had to be able to to work it to that, and it also meant always being in character even when he was out. He would always be dressed in black, like he just was 24-7 about this character, and you get kind of an inkling into you know why this guy has been so protective and has kind of only kind of let himself go the last couple of years where he's much more open, but I mean, just – When you would first see him popping up like in a photo on Instagram, it was like, wow, The Undertaker is in a photo on Instagram. Like this guy was extremely, extremely protective. And I think he can realize now that, you know, he's kind of at a a point in his life where he doesn't have to be constantly concerned about staying in character.
1: It's something I, I, I think, you know, we all can really respect the fact that he's shied away so much from being interviewed, from even taking part in like the Hall of Fame every year um it, it's it's a real dedication to to character that i don't know if if is possible if a character were to come out in 2019 having you know that type of uh ability to to hide so much of the real life when you know there's a camera on you at all times right now
0: oh yeah it's like in this day and age it's just it's not necessary either at this point really um they talked about the transition to the American Badass character that he just felt was necessary at the time because he was just so handcuffed as The Undertaker uh with the WWF's content at that time, which which is funny because I know it's probably not a version of The Undertaker that I, I think many people look upon fondly, but I did think like he had a good mix when he was in that corporate ministry and was like going like the satanic route that that was like a segue into that era. He did not feel out of place in that
1: era where he was doing all that stuff. Like the sat- satanic taker? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean, it worked. I definitely feel like I agree with them in that it had a shelf life, though. And yeah. Certainly, like, hearing him talk about the risk of, like, you know, de- debuting this American badass thing and him talking about the nerves the first time he actually, you know, came out dressed as that character. He said there was no going back. Turns out there was going back to it, but not for several years. Um, but you know it was a big risk that Vince and and uh um you know Undertaker took, and I thought it worked out. It was a great update to the character for that particular time. But of course, you know even that had its shelf life as well. But in the you know in the grand scheme of things, it 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 certainly helped add depth to his career and extended his career probably by several years. He always did,
0: you know, even if it was. You know, he he went to the American badass and they show the clip of him debuting the character at Judgment Day in 2000. And man, is this crowd in Kentucky losing their mind Mm -hmm. in this clip for him? Like they're going insane.
1: And Austin doing commentary over it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, what would be, I think, an equal shock of a makeover today? You know, Seth Rollins tonight. It's yeah, Twitter, God. Seth! God. Twitter, God. Seth! God went nuts. You should just show up with the phone. You know? <laughs> you don't know what I'm gonna tweet next.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I just I just don't know if they're like because like Bray Wyatt we've already seen. Yeah, he's the fiend right now, but it's not like him going back to like being Husky Harris is going to elicit <laughs> any any crazy reaction. I just I don't know if that Yeah, it's
0: a, but you look at this, like the, he he did the like the American badass run, which I didn't think was all that great, to be honest. Like, it was just – like, he just ran through guys and was just um, – I don't know. It was, like, time for a change with, with that character for me. But, you know, for the time being, it, it worked for I, him. I
1: think if, like, the dead man, though, stuck around for, like, those three, four, five years that he was the badass, I think we would have run the risk yeah. of being really sick of the dead man and certainly wouldn't have had the fondness for it when it returned.
0: yeah. Um, but then, you know, he he turns heel, he cuts his hair, he goes and kind of morphs into, like, the MMA version of The Undertaker and then took, like, kind of the best parts of that run mm-hmm. and reintroduced The Undertaker. But now you had, like, like you had, like, the, the gloves on and you had – A real you know, fighting were, style. Yeah. yeah. It's like once you've done this character, you can take bits and pieces of it. And th- this, this guy always came across to me as someone that was very, very in tune with – what worked, what didn't work, and was constantly looking at what what little changes can I make? Like, he seemed... This, this was not a guy that, as much as he thought the American badass might have been a risk, like, it did seem very calculated on his part. Certainly. Uh, they go into... You know, his relationship with Vince McMahon that he just said he always had a loyalty to Vince McMahon because he gave him his chance. And at the end of the day, he never uh, saw himself ever leaving because no matter what problems they would have, they would reach a solution. Even if, you know, it's – I I lose this argument, but we ultimately were working towards the same goals. And he seemed to always have a pretty good relationship here with Vince McMahon. Um, they I, talked about –
1: I really yeah. could not imagine – Bart Calloway making that jump during the Monday Night Wars to WCW, and just what character do you think he would have possibly had? You know what would they have done to him if he did the jump.
0: He would he be would the Kiss pro- Demon,
1: maybe. No, he could
0: have been. He could have been the Kiss Demon in 1999 instead of Dale Torborg. That could have been it for it him. Would have
1: been so sad. Yeah,
0: I I knew it wasn't going to be brought up, but I really would have been curious if they had discussed like the whole thing that went down this year with the undertaker supposed to do starcast and and where where his head was at at that point about um doing stuff outside of WWE i wasn't expecting it but i thought that would have been interesting where you know here was someone that you know he could have made a ton of money and ultimately it was the WWE uh putting him under a new deal but um
1: you know, they are very wrestling. protective of this There's character
0: wrestling anywhere else though I mean that was no, just, but exciting. it was just you know, but it was just interesting that whole that whole that whole period like it just seems like was he going to be utilized again or not and then you know they they resign him he's put into the match with Bill Goldberg and they just they move on from that but you know he wasn't at WrestleMania this year, and that was you know obviously was not figured in mm-hmm. Uh, they talked about the matches with Hunter and Shawn Michaels at the WrestleManias and then kind of went through that even in 2012, he didn't think he was going to be back the next year and joked that he's retired like 15 times. He also thought when he did the whole thing after the Roman Reigns match, left his stuff in the ring, that was going to be it. Again, he came back and... You know, Austin was certainly trying to get it out of him whether he was going to wrestle again or not. And I think you pretty much got the answer that he would be, that he wants to write his own ending to his career. And I think this guy is going to have a really hard time ending his career. Like, he just seems like, as long as he can move, he wants to be able to keep doing this, even though he's cognizant of not becoming uh, a parody of himself, which he's always been concerned about. He's always brought that point up. But. You know, he's, you know, over these last couple of years, he's, he's had some, he's had some
1: bad performances. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, he's a wrestler and I found it really interesting about how he, he himself said the one person in this industry that he's met who seems to have zero regrets about retiring. And I suppose it's funny because this person did come back, but he, he said it was Shawn Michaels. Yeah, they just skirted past the, the 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 return that is never
0: going to be referenced on WWE. It yeah, seems like.
1: unfortunately, I mean the way he seems to like even like talk about something like Saudi Arabia here was that he's doing a favor, and I suppose that's how Sean I I feel might be framing that particular appearance as well. But you know, I mean, it's really tough for wrestlers to pull themselves away, and if anything, I think Austin is the guy who has kind of maintained that that retirement you know stipulation to to its full effect yeah it was it was interesting when
0: when taker turned the tables and talked about how well the the decision was kind of taken away from you and austin clarified that you know his doctor told him about the risks and it was austin who ultimately had to make the decision that this is it i'm done which is interesting um you know there's no telling that over i mean think of the amount of offers he's been given by wwe over the years i'm i'm sure they got to a point where they just realized he's not coming back but you know who's to say if he would be cleared or not but it seems like he and he's gone over the fact that those several years after retiring he went through a lot of bad problems trying to get wrestling out of his system like it was very tough and he seems to be at that point now but man he was at one point in this interview he's talking about like getting teary-eyed just like this was a guy that absolutely loved his wrestling career, and it ended. Mm. He he wrestled for thirteen years when you think about it.
1: That's not for, long for, at all.
0: fourteen. He started in eighty nine wow. and was done by two thousand three. So when you think about that, fourteen Dude, years. That's
1: like how long has TJP wrestled? You know, TJP has been wrestling uh, since his teens. Yeah. Like two thousand two, two thousand something like that. So he I was mean, like in New Japan in two thousand two. So we're talking about like a TJP has had a longer career than Steve Austin. I mean, that's uh, not a knock at all on TJP or anybody who's wrestled that long, but more of of you know, I think um uh, uh you know um uh, an example of how much Steve Austin accomplished in a very short amount of time.
0: Um, yeah, it was um, you know they. They talked about their health quite a bit and, you know, the the struggle of trying to retire that I think this really worked between two guys that are peers with one another that can relate to, you know, how difficult it is to walk walk away from this. And, you know, Callaway really goes over the fact like he's in a lot of pain and he is not hiding that fact that, you know, he has to largely – it's it's a challenge for him when he's called upon to do a match. It's almost like I've got to prove it to myself I can do it and he has to like set up like a like an MMA training camp to get ready for these matches. And man, was it an interesting answer when Austin asked him when he has one of these big WrestleMania matches, how how long he has that that feeling of a high for and he said not very long because I'm back into pain real quick. It's like an hour and then it's suddenly dealing with what i've put my body through for the last half hour and how i'm going to pay for it for weeks to come like this is a guy that god knows what his mobility is going to be like in his later years i mean he's not a young guy to begin with but Mm -hmm. i mean this guy has thrashed his body for professional wrestling
1: yeah and you know his story is really only one of any like a professional wrestlers who continue to do, to to do this probably in a more consistent schedule than even the Undertaker on a on a on a more regular basis. So it, again, it's a it's a reminder of how much you know the, uh, these performers that that we watch and criticize all the time, how much they put their bodies through, especially at this age. And I certainly, it makes me feel bad (laughs) like hearing something like this, because, you know, if the undertaker versus Roman Reigns is not a very good match, I feel the need to say it at the same time, knowing what this man is putting his body through. It kind of makes me feel a little shitty about it, but you know, then again, that's, that is sort of the job.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he talked about, they really didn't go into the the Saudi Arabia match other than the Undertaker, like he knows it was it was awful, but you know you did have the circumstance of Bill Goldberg essentially knocking himself out in that match, and the connection to the Brock Lesnar match at Wrestlemania, where taker goes into detail about how he got concussed very early on in the match, still doesn't know what the spot was that caused him, but he has no memory of any of that. His last memory of that day is three thirty in the afternoon and not another memory until the next day when he's in the hospital. So he has no recollection of any of that, which is really frightening that you're just essentially going through the motions and you have no, oh. no concept of what's, what's happening. And that, that was
1: not a short match. It was a match with Brock Lesnar requiring him to take a bunch take of suplexes. suplexes. Yeah. yeah. So, which he, again, he doesn't know what caused it, but you know, he, he suspects it might've been one of one of the suplexes or something. Um, so you know i haven't really heard this talked about but you know john like in hindsight if he was booked to win that particular match and the streak was to continue could he have pulled it off in the state that he was in um i mean you go and watch it and it's like it's
0: not a good match but i also wouldn't say it's not it's not horrible either it's I don't know. I I I've never rewatched that match, so it would be going back to try and jog my memory. Like I just remember it not being a really great match and it's solely remembered for the finish and the shock of it. Um Yeah, I mean it would certainly have been you know, but- it was he was it's not like the guy was immobile or Brock was just leading him through. Like mm-hmm. it was almost like watching Kurt Angle in that SummerSlam where it's like you find out after like the concussion he had, but yet he's still doing all of this stuff. Like you're almost on autopilot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like they would have, I mean, shit, we've seen like Steve Austin, you know, nearly paralyzed somehow getting the win over, over Owen Hart. So they could have come up with something, but part of me wonders if, you know, I think that, you know, the decision to have Brock win this particular match might've been somewhat of a, you know, uh, uh, like a, a lucky thing that they decided on prior to the match. Cause, now, uh, certainly, you would have had your concerns about how much longer he would have been able to go after this one.
0: Now, like, there is no argument that if a concussion is known five minutes in, like, that that should be it. This guy was taking suplexes. This guy, this was a physical match that he had to be a part of. And this was only 2014. And I know that the 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 company line would be that, you know, if, if we sensed that there was an issue... That you just stopped the match, but it's like you cannot convince me that if they were aware that at WrestleMania, the Undertaker and Brock Lesnar that they're stopping that match, and as much as it would have pissed people off, it's like that match should be stopped in that in that situation, like that's insane that that guy had to take Germans did, and did they know? Had be, you had to rely upon a concussed guy to be tucking his
1: head,, Yeah, but did they don't that he was concussed. Did he know I'm that? I'm saying he
0: was that concussed. in in the in the hypothetical that they were able to detect that he was not all there, that this guy was showing the symptoms of a concussion, right. which hopefully they they should be able to at least have the procedure to be able to identify like what a concussed individual, like what are the signs that we should be looking for? And if you were to detect those 5 minutes into your WrestleMania match with the Undertaker, are you really going to be the one to pull the plug on that
1: match? Yeah, I have a hard time thinking about that, that they would stop that match at that point. that's horn. a problem. That's I'm a not, problem if I'm... you
0: don't believe they would, they would stop that, because that's absolutely the call they should be doing.
1: Yeah, you know, who knows, like, how stringent I think these these new processes are. Um, part of me wonders if it'll take something more severe to happen before we get something that strict to stop an Undertaker, essentially like a main event type of match, at a WrestleMania Um I I I don't really see it even happening today, honestly, in that scenario. Yeah, I'm,
0: I'm skeptical that, like, in a match like that at WrestleMania, that that they would make that call. I I know the crowd would absolutely be livid, but I think I, I would hope that people in. I mean once they calm down would realize that the right call is being made in that so, situation. So
1: they did stop like a Daniel Bryan match, like what is it on TV? Was that a smackdown? That, was, that was on Raw. Yeah. On Raw. I mean, you know, they they also in the event. And of, uh, and, and so- look at what the reaction was. Brian nearly fought Paul Levesque backstage
0: because of that. So that's what you're also dealing with is there's no way Undertaker or Brock Lesnar wants to see their WrestleMania match. And and you're going to be dealing with crowds that are livid and two performers that are going to be fucking furious with you. But that's Uh, tough. Like, that's the call you got to be
1: able to make. I mean, you see it all the time in a UFC fight. If if a blood, if a cut is too, you know, um, uh, severe or above the eye, the fight gets stopped. I mean, the doctor is the most hated person in the entire room. I think wrestling has to be okay with, you know, that L- Look at the Nate Diaz fight. Now. Like that that yeah. that physician got death threats after that. I know it's ridiculous. Um I yeah, I'm trying to think like yeah, yeah you know, the other instance was of course Samoa Joe versus I believe was it Finn Bálor or uh uh who was it? Was it Finn Bálor that that where he had that big cut? That uh, was the blood, takeover. yeah. It was Balor and, and
0: Joe on one of the takeovers so, where they constantly had to interrupt the match to assess the cut, and it was just pissing the crowd off.
1: Now, what was your opinion about that? Do you so, think that was excessive, or do you think that was the appropriate action? I think that it's... I mean, as a... Because they've definitely a, eased off on that right now. They, they They've definitely... Like, there was a
0: period, like, when there was blood, it was to the detriment of the match that they were going to get involved. And it's like, you can somewhat understand that thinking and it seems that they have a process now of when when there is a cut and 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 i think a cut in a a concussion there is a distinction and there's going to be varying degrees of cuts that was the whole thing about the nate Diaz stoppage was how bad was this cut and it it was pretty bad um but Mm -hmm. i'm you know i i'm more so looking I, i would say a concussion i'm much more concerned about because it's the it's the secondary blow that is going to be you know, more it could be much more damaging than than the first one. And you're talking about a guy that's taking suplexes, and yeah. that's where so, you get really dangerous. A cut, it, you do have to somewhat use discretion.
1: And maybe we're just being too pessimistic about maybe what they would do in this scenario. Because, you know, if this was The Undertaker and if it was absolutely noticeable and apparent that the man, this, what is he, 50, 60 year old man, how old is he now? Like 55, something, whatever. Give or like, take. Like if there, if it was noticeable to the world that this person at 55 or however old suffered a concussion on live TV, I actually believe they would stop the match, even if it was at WrestleMania. You know, they. I would. Through, I
0: would hope so. They've I been through so. too much
1: scandal at this point that they could not afford the bad press coming out of something like this. Okay, but but wait,
0: cra- um, Goldberg and Les uh, Goldberg and Undertaker again. Did they know? Did they
1: know at the <sighs> moment? Goldberg. It was pretty noticeable. That guy was. Because, like, like, to even know that somebody has a concussion, you would have to stop the match to do the proper test and did not seem like something that they were even going to entertain. See,
0: that, that was the case, though. He goes to spear into the corner and comes out and his head is busted open. Yeah. Like, that to me is the tip off. And, yeah, maybe the match does have to be stopped and we've got to shine a light into his eyes and make sure this guy is okay. And the announcers call this as though it's legitimate. Like yeah. he, like this is a sports contest, and we have a stoppage yeah. so that they are checking because there may be a head injury from the physicality.
1: It was also it's Saudi Arabia, so <laughs> I wonder how that would have went over with the with the people paying for the show.
0: But um, yeah, again, it's like you you're always going to have the, these situations, like whether it's you know the Cody thing from Full Gear, whether it's you know the Saudi Arabia match from back in June. Um, I just. Until I see it, it's like a major,
1: no, like, I agree. Top I agree. match
0: at WrestleMania. Would they ever stop the match midway? And until that happens, like I'm going to be skeptical that they actually would. Even though I would not disagree with that at all, I would, I would be reassured actually if they if they did that. Sure. Anyway, and any other uh, closing notes on this? I, know, I would be curious how long this thing actually was because there were obvious one, edits to this interview
1: oh the actual recording session yeah who knows i mean i I just want to say i i I didn't really have that many expectations for this format i was definitely pleasantly surprised by by its length and i think but you know by by how candid the conversation was these two were drinking like throughout the whole process oh yeah they were pounding back the jack they had like three shots a piece you know it just it felt like it was a conversation between two old friends who went to war with one another in in a business that we're all incredibly interested in and it was just like it was a wonderful conversation between two people um two to you know two legends really uh so i i again i i was pleasantly surprised i actually encourage everybody to you know check it out if you are curious about the undertaker's uh, you know career to me this felt almost like definitely the most definitive interview we've ever had with him um i don't even know if there's like a dvd that would have covered any of this other stuff but uh it was great and i i definitely look forward to uh future future interview uh, subjects that Steve Austin will have. Who would you like to see?
0: Um, Right now, be- specifically like in this time period to talk about what's going on now, Heyman. Um, I'm just thinking within did not, the company. Did he
1: not do it last time?
0: Like, yeah, he did. But now in his creative role, that's what I would be more interested I don't want to hear more ECW stuff or his career. I'd want more specifically the state of the WWE, and I'd rather hear that from Heyman than I would Vince McMahon right now. Well, Vince least- McMahon would still be newsworthy, but I feel we'd get a much, a much more interesting and more, I, I'll say, honest assessment from Heyman, who I think mm-hmm. would still be you know he's in that active role so i don't think he's going to be uh completely open about everything but i i would find that to be interesting of Heyman as this bridge between a previous generation and now a major creative force for the modern generation while they're in a rebuilding phase on raw
1: i suppose it remains to be seen like how you know current events ish this type of show is because this particular episode was a lot more like retrospective retrospective you know showing you old photos and old clips of old matches and getting your your commentary over it certainly there's like a novelty with hearing the undertaker talk about this stuff because we have never heard him as far as you know who would be as interesting i don't know if there'd be too many people on that list um i certainly think we've heard a lot from sean in the past but i i still feel like you know this type of conversation between he and austin might unearth some new interesting material uh you know especially with like the type of person Sean admits that he was in the nineties and Austin, you know, being backstage privy to a lot of that stuff. I'd love to have him kind of like, you know, uh, just kind of bring up some of the, some of those, you know, um, perhaps stories and, and having, hearing Sean talk about it at this point. Um, trying to think who else might be interesting. Hunter. Mm. No, I don't know. I bullshit. think
0: I, I- I think you just, you know what you're getting with, 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 with Hunter. Um, yeah. You know, Hunter, Hunter's very smart about tailoring his answers for the crowd in which he's disseminating it towards. Uh,
1: yeah. And yeah, Steph- Stephanie would have been, would be the same.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dying to hear them at this point. Um, maybe George Barrios. That, what Dave, a conversation that would be. George Barrios pounding back Jack Daniels. As I want he to hear about, Austin talk to Dave. Dave Meltzer? Yeah. Oh, okay. That'd be awesome. Uh, I I don't know if that one's going to be happening on the WWE Network uh, anytime soon. Maybe not. Um, All right. Well, that brings an end to Rewind to Raw. So thanks to everybody for tuning in. Uh, We are hitting the – well, we did hit the two-hour mark here. So that is it. We'll be back Tuesday night with Ask Away. Thank you for listening.